So we begin a new message series today, and the question that we're going to be asking for the next few weeks is, so what do we believe? And that's really an important question because I believe what we believe impacts who we're becoming. And so it's important for us to think about these, these core beliefs. And as we're going to see as we move through this message series, these core beliefs are very significant in that they have some important practical implications. And so the first idea we're going to talk about this morning is, so what do we believe about God? But more specifically, what do we believe about the Trinity? And if we're not careful, we can look at a subject so vast as the Trinity and say, well, there's so much mysterious, it's so mysterious and such a big concept, I really can't understand it, so it's not important. Let's move on to the next thing. I still remember when I was a young preacher and I was teaching this Bible class, and somewhere along the way, the idea of the Trinity came up in the class, and I had an older brother ask a very important and deep question about the Trinity, and I had no idea how to answer him. I hadn't really thought deeply about this subject. But as you see, I think as we move through this message, we'll come to see that the Trinity is such an important issue, it's going to help us as we learn to experience God in a deeper way. It was A.W. Tozer who once said, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What does he mean about that? He means what we think about God will really affect everything. It'll affect how we view our world. It'll affect how we view our, our own lives, our neighbors. It will affect how we look at our past and how we can imagine our future. Your view, your view of God is very, very important. So I'm calling this message The Mystery of the Trinity, and then I've subtitled it Experiencing God. If we really want to experience God, if we want to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord, then we need to have some understanding of the Trinity. Have you ever been around a parent's who have this annoying habit of talking about their kids when their kids are in the room. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. They're just sort of talking about their children as if their children aren't there listening to every word they're saying. Well, quite frankly, I feel just a little bit like that today because I have the task of talking about the triune God, of talking about the Lord God Almighty, and God is present God is here. And so my prayer all week has been that I will say things that will, that will um, help us to understand God and appreciate God that are biblical and right and, and, and healthy. And so uh, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'll think in, in terms of the sermon uh, with, with three moves. Uh, uh, the first move of a sermon is the What? The second move of the sermon is the so what. And then the final move of the sermon is the now what. And so I want us to think about the subject through those three lenses today. And so the what of today's message is that we serve one God in three persons. And if you will stay with me for the next, Curry, 50 minutes or so, I think, then I think we'll come to understand, I'm just kidding, you'll come to understand God maybe in a deeper way that will help us experience him. Now, to understand God as Trinity, 
we need to think of, of four words. I know it should be three words, since we're talking about the Trinity, but really I, I, I need for us to think about four words. Four words that are important as we think about Trinity. And the first word is the word one. We serve one God. Now, in the ancient world, the question was not so much, do you believe in God? But the question was, which God do you believe in? For the most part, in the ancient world, people were, were polytheists. That means people believed in a lot of gods. They believed in many gods. Just a few weeks ago, uh, Jan and I had an opportunity to, to travel. Uh, we went on our, our 10-year anniversary trip, and we traveled all over Italy. And one of the, one of the wonderful um, opportunities about that was we were in Rome, and Rome is like this uh, living museum. I mean, everywhere you turn, there are all these monuments and, and antiquities. It's all around. And, um, and one day, we were walking along, and suddenly we came upon the Pantheon. And there, there you see it. I took that picture. I mean, there are these modern buildings, and then suddenly you come upon this building that was built in 125 A.D. Actually, it was rebuilt in 125 A.D. And as the name suggests, it was this building, Pantheon, it was a building for all the gods. And so when it was first built, you would walk in, and all these statues representing all of uh, these Greek gods. Now, in the 300s, after Constantine became emperor and made everybody Christians, all these Greek temples were turned into churches. So today, the Pantheon is actually a church. But you contrast that way of thinking about all these many gods as opposed to Judaism. The unique feature that Judaism really brought to the world was this belief that there is only one God. And so you read passages in the Old Testament, like Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So as we think about this big idea of the Trinity, the first word that's significant is the word one. But the second word is the word three. We believe in one God as we sang a few moments ago, in three persons. And so when Jesus sends his disciples uh, to, out into the world to call others to join him, they're baptized, notice, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We see this idea of one God in three persons all through the New Testament. I love that beautiful doxology, uh, doxology we have at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the very last verse, I think, in that chapter, where Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We think about each person is mentioned in the Godhead in that one verse. We think about Jesus and the grace that's been lavished on us as a result of his wonderful gift. And then we think about, about God the Father and how God the Father loves us deeply. And then we think about this fellowship that we can have with one another as a result of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And this brings us to the third word. And that's the word community. God exists as a community. 
You see, our God wasn't this lonely God that has existed for eternity, and then after a while, as a result of his loneliness, God said, I want to create human beings so I can love them, and and now I'm no longer lonely. That's not the biblical story. The biblical story is God has existed in this loving community for eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice, God exists as three distinct persons. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. They're three distinct persons living together in community. And this brings us to the final word, and that's the word unity. They share the same nature. Each person is God, each person is majestic and glory. And we see this sense of unity from the scripture that was read a few moments ago out of uh, John 14, where Philip came to Jesus and he said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? And then he goes on to say, I am the Father, uh, uh, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. And then he says, he, Jesus, will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you the spirit of truth. There's no infighting, there's no competition within God. There's this beautiful sense of unity. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are not identical, but they are one. They're united. They're one, like a husband and wife who are so close and so united in marriage that the Lord God calls them one flesh. There's unity and harmony and love within God. And so in order to understand the doctrine of the Trinity, this beautiful teaching, think about these four words. One, one God in three persons existing in this wonderful community with a beautiful sense of unity. And when we begin to see God in this way, we understand God is more personal and more loving and more amazing than we've ever imagined. So I said a few moments ago, in this message, we need to think about the what. Well, the what is one God in three persons. The God of the Bible is the God uh, who exists in Trinity. But now, what is the, the so what? Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, all this talk about one God in three persons, I mean, does it really make a difference in our lives? You see, I think we need to put feet on our faith. I believe whenever we have a doctrine, we need to ask the question, what difference does it make on Monday? What difference does it make in in our lives? And a lot of times when we have this doctrine like the doctrine of the Trinity, we, we scratch our heads and think, oh my goodness, I mean, what really, what difference does this make for me? So let me tell you. Let's first think about temptation. Now, if I were to ask you today, if, uh, if you felt temptation last week, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, every hand in this room would go up. Part of what it means to be human is we feel tempted to sin. And there may be even some of you in this room today, this past week was a difficult week. It was a hard week. And you stumbled and you fell and, and you've come to church and you're feeling discouraged and you're mad at yourself because you gave in to temptation. If that's you today, um, you know, one of the things that we need is we need a God who gives us 
a moral law, who upholds a moral law. You see, we won't be helped in our temptation if, if we had a God who said, hey, hey, that's okay, it's no big deal, just plunge right on into your addiction and sin. No, God gave us a sense of moral law for our own good. Life works best as we follow God's ways. Moral anarchy is not a good thing. But we also need a God who understands how difficult life can be. We also need a God who knows how hard it is sometimes to do the right thing. We need a God who has been tempted in every way like we have, have and who has overcome it. And now out of that sense of understanding is willing to forgive us. But you know, we need something else. We need a God who, who gets close to us. We need a God who is willing to live inside us and to empower us to change, to help us next time to do better. That's the kind of God we need. And that's the kind of God we have. Because you see, what I just described is the Trinity. God created the world, and he created this world with a kind of moral underpinning. And Jesus came, and he lived and he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet he didn't give in and he didn't sin. And now, God the Father and God the Son have sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit indwells us to teach us and guide us and empower us. Think for a moment about all that God has done for us. God the Father created this world, and then he created it in such a way so that it would work best when we follow him. And God, God the Son came and lived a perfect life. He experienced all that we experienced, and he sympathizes for us even right now. He knows our struggle. And now God the Father and God the Son have sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts to equip us and empower us and to help us to be the kind of men and women we need to be. You see, the Trinity makes a huge difference in how we approach and face something like temptation. But let me tell you something else. The Trinity makes a huge impact with regard to how we approach worship. So we come in here on Sunday mornings, and we sing these wonderful songs. And when I think of God the Father, I'm, I'm made aware of God's power and, and God's uh, majesty and his holiness. Uh, when we, uh, over the last few weeks when we were in Italy, we, we went into a number of ancient churches. I mean, there are churches all over the place in Italy. As I told Jana, we kind of got churched out. I mean, we were so many different churches. And, and as you walk into these, these huge cathedrals, one of the first things it did for me is it m gave me a sense of, of how small I was, but how, how big God was. I mean, the architecture was just suggesting that as you looked up into the, uh, the ceiling, and it just seems like it went up forever and ever and ever and sometimes we need to experience that when we worship we need to have this sense of god's holiness and power and majesty and at other times we come into worship and we think about jesus and we're made aware of god's god's love for us we look at and think about what jesus did for us how he went to the cross how much he cares about us we need to know this, especially when we worship, because sometimes we're discouraged, maybe, because we're living out in the world and we fall short of God's glory and we're, we're, we uh, sin, and we hear the whisper of the evil one in our ears saying, oh, you're not even a Christian anyway. It's no use. 
And yet we come in here on Sunday morning and we lift Jesus up and we're reminded again of, of how far God was willing to go to get us saved. And then at other times we come into this space and we think about the Holy Spirit. And we think that we're so clo- we can be so close to God that God loved us enough to send His Spirit not just to come near, but to dwell within. And as Paul will tell us in Romans chapter 8, it's by the Spirit that we cry out to the Father, Abba, Father. There's such closeness and intimacy we can feel with God through the Spirit. And so you see, the Trinity makes a huge difference in how not only we face temptation, but with regard to how we worship. I'll tell you one other thing. Let's think about community. We said a moment ago that God exists in community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a community of love and harmony and closeness. And from out of that that community, God's love overflowed and God created us, all of us, in His image. In Genesis chapter 1, God would create something and He would say, it is good. I mean, it's just this phrase that's used over and over again, several times in Genesis 1. It is good. It is good. And finally, He creates humankind and He says, it is very good. And then we come to Genesis chapter 2 and for the first time, God says something is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And when that statement is made, it's not that we're to understand from that that we can't be happy if we're single. We, we can't be happy unless we're married. It's not saying that, but it is saying for us to experience the deepest sense of satisfaction and joy, we need other people. We need a sense of community. You see, we're creating the image of God, and in part what that means is God exists in community, and we need a vibrant, vital sense of community. Now, I realize we're prone to sort of be lone rangers, What sin does, sin drives us away from each other. Sin drives us away from our best self. But what does God do? God invites us into a relationship with Him to live in community with God and with other people. That's one of the reasons why we desperately need the church. And so the Trinity begins to impact how we relate to one another. We begin to see the need for relationships. Now, we've looked at the what. We believe in one God who exists in three persons. We've, we've looked at the, the so what, the fact that our understanding of Trinity has an impact on, on temptation, has an impact on how we worship. It has an impact on how we view relationships. So what's the now what? What should we do with this? And so I guess I would suggest today that I want to encourage all of us to open our lives up to the full Trinity in worship and in life. God the Father loves you, and He's ready to embrace you. God the Son stands ready to cleanse you and forgive you. And God the Spirit is right there ready to fill and empower and equip you to live for Jesus. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Some in this room probably have a hard time relating to God as Father. Kevin Miller tells the story of a woman who, in his church, grew up with an abusive dad. And she said, I'm fine with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. I have trouble with the Father. And then she made this statement. She said, said, there's no Father in my Trinity. And so her prayer became, Jesus, take me to the Father. 
introduce me to the Father. And that may be some of you today, perhaps because of your past experiences with God as, as Father. The Father seems scary or maybe even dangerous to you. And yet the Father we read of in Scripture is filled with love. His very nature is love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. Some of you, perhaps like me, were raised in a home where you believed the Spirit. And this was never said this way, but, but somewhere I came across I came to this view. It was almost like the Spirit was an inanimate object. It was like the Spirit was the Bible. I didn't believe in the third person of the Trinity. I believed that the, the, the Spirit was the Bible. And so uh, the Bible, the Spirit was in essence a, a book. Now, I like books, but you know, it's kind of hard to have a relationship with a book, isn't it? Some of you may disagree, but it's hard to. And so for some of you in this room, perhaps it means as we open ourselves up to the Trinity, some of you it means we need to open ourselves up to the leadership and guidance of the Spirit. Others of you may have grown up in a religious environment where you saw all kinds of wild, kooky, strange things happen in the name of the Trinity or in the name of the Spirit. And so you're a little uncomfortable thinking about the Spirit in this way. But others of us perhaps need to embrace the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit as Paul commands us in places like the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you to open yourselves up to the full Trinity, to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This week in my study, I came across a prayer that N.T. Wright, noted theologian, suggests we should pray. It's a way to open ourselves up to the Spirit, and the prayer is this. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Set up your living kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all the world. That wouldn't be a bad place to start. Begin by praying that prayer as we strive to open ourselves up to the Trinity. But here's one other thing, one other now what. And that is... We need to get in community and stay in community. If God as Trinity does battle with our tendency to isolate, if God himself exists as a, as a community of, of love, if we want to know God better, then we need to become part of his community. You see, it's only, only in relationship to others that we learn to yield to and to love and to honor others. I realize it's, it's easy in a church as large as ours to develop a, a kind of anonymity, to sort of come and worship and leave and not really have a sense of, of connection with other brothers and sisters. Now, as a church, we're striving to create environments where you can develop deep connections, Bible classes and life groups and all sorts of environments, but it's going to take you to take that step to say, yes, I want to be involved in community because I understand as I'm involved in community, it's there that I express love, it's there that I yield to, it's there that I learn sorts of things that we see within God himself. Now, there's an old TV program, probably some of you remember it, and they had a lyric that went like this, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got, a break from all your worries, it sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. 
Let's do a quick show of hands. How many of y'all know what that, what TV program that lyric comes from? Yeah, look at all those hands. Did you realize that was a, a TV program about some people meeting in a bar? Now let me see those hands again. Let me, I'm kidding. But what that TV program was saying was that we need relationships so badly and sometimes we find those in a bar. And on a one level, that's tragic, isn't it? Because that should, the church should be the very place where we come and we can be open and honest and real. Everybody knows your name. The church should be a place where you're loved and supported unconditionally. The church should be the place where we truly learn to love one another. If the Trinity is at the heart of our understanding of God, how we approach God, relate to God, I think we'll resist the temptation to develop a a lone ranger approach to life and instead we'll find meaningful, deep, sustaining, enriching relationships in the community of faith. What do we believe? Well, we begin today with the most basic understanding. We believe in one God, that the God of the Bible is the one God who exists and that God exists in this beautiful community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we understand the Trinity, the Trinity should have a powerful impact on our faith and life. And so today, let's go to our Heavenly Fathers. we pray as we conclude today. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we pray, Father, that your kingdom would come in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us because we're sinners. And Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew us and all the world. Today, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are inviting you to be part of their community And if you haven't taken that step of faith, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, or if you have a need we can help you with, we would love to help you today. I'll be right here. We'll have a couple of elders and their wives in the back corners. We would love to pray with you or help you in any way we can. Come as we stand and as we sing. I believe in the one they call.